You are listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active, performance-minded women. I am your host, Celine Yeager. Each week, I bring you advice from athletes, scientists, researchers, and other experts to help you feel and perform your best, no matter what your hormones are doing. This show is a production of Live Feisty Media. Hello, strong, feisty women. So I hope you are all having a safe and healthy start to the new year. So far, so good here. And it is really, really great to be back. So one of the themes that comes up a lot in the membership and in our social media channels is adaptation, both physical and mental. Many of us are longtime recreational athletes who have been in our sport of choice for many years. Then menopause comes and maybe the physical symptoms make it more challenging than it used to be, or just as frequently, the mental game goes sideways. We don't have the same fire or our mojo goes missing. So I was really interested to talk with this week's guest, lifelong athlete and self-proclaimed triathlon addict, Julie Dunkel, who now in her mid-50s has had to navigate a number of physical challenges related to menopause but has found a way to keep her competitive fire burning red hot. I really enjoyed this one because I felt like I was talking to a friend who just like me has seen women come and go off the starting lines over the years and has found a way to keep the love in lining up. Julie is a six-time Ironman finisher with seven Kona qualifications and over 25 70.3 finishes. She is a USAT triathlon coach, a Newton running coach, a USA master swim coach, a training peaks level two coach, and is the co-founder of Nick's Endurance, a global endurance coaching company. Julie describes them as a group of coaches who like to get their hands dirty. They train, they race, they fail, they succeed. In the end, it doesn't matter because they're all out there sharing the effort and the event together. You can follow Nick's, that's N-Y-X, Endurance, on Instagram and Facebook, and you can check out their services at nixendurance.com. Before we get to it, quick reminder that you can find us at Feisty Menopause on Instagram and Facebook. You can come on in to our ever-growing private Facebook group at Hit Play Not Pause. And if you have ideas for the show, you can always hit me up at hitplaynotpause at livefeisty.com. As always, I am so appreciative of your hearts, reviews, and five-star ratings. They are helping the show continue to grow, and we've got big things planned for 2022. I'd also like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Bonafide, for keeping me comfortable in the saddle. And no, that's not a euphemism. Their Reverie product really helps with the downstairs itching and irritation that can accompany long miles on the bike along with dry tissues. (laughs) So thanks for helping out with those dry tissues and keeping me comfortable. Okay, speaking of sponsors, enough of me. Let's have a few words about those awesome sponsors and get on with the show. As listeners of this show know, we talk about some pretty uncomfortable topics. So I am stoked to have a new sponsor on board, Bonafide, who is helping women find relief from a very uncomfortable topic, vaginal dryness. As estrogen declines, those delicate tissues can suffer, making everything from riding a bike to having sex uncomfortable, if not outright painful. Bonafide is devoted to helping women find solutions to symptoms like this that are related to the menopausal transition. 
One product that I can tell you works like a charm is Reverie. It's an easy to use vaginal insert that rejuvenates vaginal tissue and replenishes your body's moisture so you get relief from itching and burning and also greater overall comfort and improved intimacy. A few of my guests have recommended it. I have tried it. It works. Bonafide also has a host of other products, including a new probiotic supplement that is formulated to promote a healthy vaginal microbiome. You can give Bonafide products a try today. There are no hormones and no prescription is required. You just get quick, real relief. To get 20% off your first purchase when you subscribe to any product, go to hellobonafide.com and use the promo code HITPLAY, all caps, all one word. That's hellobonafide.com, B-O-N-A-F-I-D-E, and the code is HITPLAY, all caps, all one word, for 20% off at checkout. And I'll also put a clickable link in the show notes. Check it out today. Like many of you, I try to eat well, train well, take the supplements I need, and track my recovery, sleep, and progress. So imagine my surprise when I found out I had elevated blood sugar, high cortisol, out of whack lipids, and was borderline anemic. Yeah. All while I was racing well and feeling actually pretty great. Turns out, all of my training stress was taking a hidden toll. How did I find out? Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is a service that analyzes your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers to provide you a personalized, science-based, trackable action plan on how to live, age, and perform better. Inside Tracker is simpler, cheaper, and more convenient than traditional blood tests, and their blood tests also include biomarkers that are key to performance that you don't get from traditional blood tests, like ferritin and vitamin D. My favorite part? They don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips to take action. And I've taken those actions myself and have been improving those markers and ultimately my health. So for a limited time, my friends at Inside Tracker are offering my listeners 25% off their entire store. So go to insidetracker.com slash feistymenopause to take advantage of that offer. Again, it's insidetracker.com slash feistymenopause. I can tell you, it works. Well, hello, Julie. Um, welcome to the new year. And I'm glad that you're with us today. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm glad to be here. This is an honor. Oh, thank you. No, it's a uh, it's very exciting going to year two of this of this show. I've uh, it's been um, I've learned so much and I just get so much out of these conversations. So I mean, I, I can't imagine I mean I think we all have gotten so much out of it and it's um I think when I talked to you before it's just it's so funny I think you have like you know hundreds of thousands of people who feel like they know you so <laughs> well because you're with them in the car you're with them when you run and right so it's funny it's yeah. uh it's kind of funny it's like oh wait I'm not watching this podcast actually right now I'm talking on it right right and now yeah. now yeah now we do know each other in, yeah, in another exactly. way <laughs> Anyway, so let's talk a bit about you and your background. So what I gleaned is that you were a swimmer turned runner turned triathlete via an injury that helped you find the bike. 
And how was that for a three second summary? Uh, <laughs> it was good. It was, uh, yeah, I swam all the way through college um, and then literally stopped swimming uh, my last swimming in college. And um, did, I became a professional partier for about three years. Oh, me too. Um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, decided to see what life was like. And then, yeah, I, I, I was a very, very casual, casual runner. Um, and then in kind of my early 30s, I got really serious about running. And like a lot of swimmers, um, I'm not a land mammal. I'm a water mm. mammal. And uh, I just ran myself into injury after injury after injury. Were you running distances? I did. I was trying to, I was, yeah. I, as soon as I started running, I knew I wanted to run marathons because okay. I swam, you know, I swam the thousand and the mile. So it was sort of my jam. The, you know, the longer it was, the better it was going to be for me. Right. Um, but after consecutive injuries, I had to take six months off running. And after about a month, I called my doctor and I said, I, I'm going to become an alcoholic or something because this is just right. not, he, you know, he wanted me to try swimming. And I said, no, like, I'm not going back there. And I uh, started biking. And why didn't you want to go back there? I'm only curious. I, w I was just really burned out. Um, yeah. You know, swimming in college, I was ready to quit my sophomore year. My parents said, great. I was at LSU. Um, they said, you got to come home. And um, I didn't want to. So, um, you, know, I, you know, I swam for four years at a high level and w really was, didn't want to swim those last two years. I was just burned out. I was so burned out. Um, so I started riding a bike and that was like totally new and fun. And, um, another soccer dad who, uh, was the guy who showed up to every game with M dots all over him and all these logos and things, but, uh, asked me one day if I knew how to swim. And, uh, I said, ironically, I, I do. And he said, we're going to do a triathlon. And literally he picked me up, took me to the race, showed me how to do it. And it was the most fun I had had in like 20 years. It was, I mean, I was 39, just about to turn 40. And, um, it was, it was like, like I, I was, I, I did not have as much joy from a sport since I think, you know, I was a young swimmer. And what was, was the distance on that? It, oh, it was a sprint. I mean, it was. Yeah, it, no, that's funny. I had the same experience with my first triathlon. I'm like, this feels like recess. I loved it immediately. Yes. I had, had no, so much I didn't, fun. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't, yep. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I just, just went and did it. And yeah. And it was, you know, and I fell into a community that was amazing. Yeah. Um, and gosh. And I mean, you did a lot of stuff with it. <laughs> you went on to do 16 Ironman races, six of those being Kona, 25 Ironman, 70.3 with annual world yeah. championship qualification and a bunch of other stuff. Um, yeah. So you, you were all in for a while, right? Yeah. I mean, I still, it, yeah. I mean, it, it took over my life pretty fast um, in a way that was just, I couldn't get enough. Um, you know, I went from a sprint to an Olympic to a half Ironman to an Ironman within 12 months. Um, again, with the idea that longer is better. And I just, I love it. I, it's, I'm passionate about it. I have formed a business around it. Um, it is really still completely prevalent and really what my life is about. You know, I've got, you know, I've got my husband and two grown children and dogs, but it's triathlon. It's triathlon that drives me, motivates me. What is it about it that you still love so much? God, it's just every, you still, you, every time you do a race, you learn something. Mm. And just when you think you figure something out, you get older. Um, 
you know, what worked obviously when I was 40, didn't work when I was 45, Mm -hmm. didn't work when I was 50. So you've got the changes in your body and you also have the changes in technology. I mean, the information, Mm -hmm. the data, the, I feel like it's just, there's always a way to learn. um, And there's never a sense of, okay, I couldn't do any better. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's constantly kicking you in the ass, just in one way or the other, somehow, some way that day of an Ironman. Especially an Ironman. Yeah, the challenges just pop up. And so I do, I just, I, it, I love it. I crave it. Um, so, and, you know, the pandemic really taught me that when I wasn't able to race. Oh, yeah. A lot, I knew people that were like, I don't need this anymore. And it's like, I need it a lot. Yeah. Which is, which is a good segue when you were talking about how, you're continually learning because you're also continually changing. I'd love to talk about an Instagram post that you put up in response to um, Jeannie Wall's article that we had posted about menopause is hell, but it made me a better climber. Um, you know, you posted five years ago when I suffered through this, I did not have the resources I have today. I am still training and racing at a high level, but I've had to make changes to keep the fire going to adapt to my quote unquote new body. So what, what was that about? What symptoms were you running into? Well, gosh, I mean, that was five years ago and I was in racing in Hawaii and I already, I struggle with the heat all the time. I'm just, you know, I'm, I do much better in the cold. And so that race is always beyond challenging for everyone. But, you know, I, I'm vomiting. I'm on the side of the road. I'm in a med tent. Um, just everything that has happened And that year, I really thought I had a lot of things figured out. Um, So I was really excited going into the race. Um, What I didn't really realize is that I was just, you know, I was in the peak of perimenopause, just about menopausal. Um, I just knew I didn't have my period for a long time. And I had one of the worst, you know, overheating experiences. And I just assumed it was because, you know, I didn't prepare well enough or I did something wrong. And it wasn't until I had read Roar about sort of what happens to your body and the heat. And Stacey Sims goes into it, you know, the three of them went to race. And depending where you were in your cycle and this bell went off that, you know, we're so quick to say, oh, it's me. I suck. I made a mistake. I did something wrong. And it was the first time that I really thought, wait a minute, like I'm, I'm 50. This shit has got to be different than when I was 40. And I'd never been someone who was really affected by my periods, my cycles, my, I'd been coaching long enough to understand that a lot of women were severely affected, but I wasn't. And I just assumed, oh, if I never had a bad period, menopause will be like, whatever. Mm. Um, so I think that then I started looking for what is it, how and why. And, um, and so, it's, you know, it's all of these things that, you know, you talk about every week in and week out. And it's, changing the training it is god recovery is so important you know it's i sleep you know forget the alarm clock set the clock to go to bed um Mm. and it's paying attention to the biometrics of and that was before you know my aura ring but it was you know tracking my sleep what tracking what made me feel better what recovery worked for me what um you know, what did I need to do? And I think that as my body was changing, it was understanding what made me feel better. Um, you know, getting the, the strength in the gym, which triathletes run away from, was something that 
made me feel better, made me feel stronger. Um, and I was willing to trade off some of those workouts. And, you know, so I still learn, you know, from a lot of your guests in the books I read that no wonder every 55-year-old woman wants to ride 150 miles and run 50 miles. Okay, maybe not everyone, but our bodies are meant to do that. But, you know, you give me 10 by one minute all out, and I just, like, I dread that for the day. Um, <laughs> but it's what I need. Right. Totally. So let, let's go back and dig into a couple of those things. Cause I'm curious, like that, that, that sort of seminal race where you're like, what is happening? Was it mostly the heat that was like not being able to thermoregulate that had your, your bells ringing for, in that specific event? Yeah, I could not thermoregulate. And I've subsequently learned when that happens, my core body temperature goes up. And when your core body temperature goes up, you're basically everything else shuts down. It's, yeah. It's just your your body will not let you go because it does not want you to die. And there was there uh, stuff that you found that helped then? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is understanding really my hydration needs. Um, I had some extensive testing done to learn that the reason your core body temperature goes up is because your body is hot. And I have to take in 72 ounces of fluid an hour with 2,000 milligrams of sodium. Wow. And it's, if I don't, then my body will, my core temperature goes up. And as soon as that happens, I have to slow down. So it's the testing I had done was after I'd gone through menopause, but this is what my body is. And the, the, the place the, I had it done at the Corey Stringer Institute. And they basically told me, you just shouldn't race in the heat. Yeah. Period. That's (laughs) That's helpful. Sometimes it can't be avoided when you're at Kona, it's going to be what it is, but Biggest. Competition in my sport happens to be in the heat. In the heat. So it's, it's learning hot, yeah. and understanding, yeah. you know, how do you deal, you know, how do yeah. you deal with that? And then what, um, what recovery techniques have you implemented? And I'm curious what your strength training, have you, have you um, dialed back the, the volume in and brought in some of those, you know, sprint intervals and the weight training? Like, how have you balanced that? Yeah, so definitely, I mean, with Ironman, there's a certain amount of volume you have to do. But once you get to, you know, 16, that you only need so many five to six hour rides. So um, I think the the biggest thing for me is the strength in, call it the off season, the preseason. That is, it's stuff I just didn't do. You know, it's the heavier strength. I used to love to do everything with bands and body weight and... So it is, it's the, it's not a lot and um, it, it's, it's not a lot, but it's enough that is, you know, it, it varies from squats to single leg press to deadlifts. Um, and it's just, you know, it's like really eight weeks of cycling through those heavy weights. And then a lot of the other stuff is mobility and the mobility is, you know, even that's where the air squats come in because mm-hmm. I'm stretching my body and getting the mobility. Lunges are probably the best thing I think any athlete can do because you get mm-hmm. a little strength, but you also get flexibility. But it, it, it's making the time for that. There's just hands down. I used to be the person that if I if I didn't have time, I say in quotes, I would cut the strength workout, and now right. I will cut something else. It's it, it happens. I'm the I am the same way now. I, like I feel so much better. Um, yeah, so much better for it. So much better for it. And I find that. Like you were saying with the, with the squatting and the deadlifting and also, you know, just doing the, the calisthenic level squatting and deadlifting, the mobility is better too. I mean, those things follow each other. 
Yeah, I mean, it's that feeling of, I always feel like I know when I'm lifting really well and I'm doing my mobility when I'm running, I can jump over anything. Yeah. Like when I'm afraid of a curb, then I know that I need to dial something back and look at what I'm doing. That is so that, great. Yeah, so that, there's that. The other recovery is, I mean, I pay sleep. Um, I, you know, protein, I, I pay attention to it. I'm 100%, I'm vegan. Um, and I got really kind of drilled into the, all the protein thing for a long time. And I really just started listening to my body. I eat mostly a whole food plant-based diet and I eat a lot of food and I feel good. My body feels good. My training goes, is going really well. My racing is going really well. So I've got to the point where in key, key cycles, I track my macros. So I understand, I just curious and I just mm -hmm. naturally tend to increase the nuts and I get the extra protein. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I pay attention to that more from what does my body need. Um, and then I, you know, I have a hypervolt and I have Normatex and I, yeah. those, those are the money and I have an aura ring and I listen to it and it's fascinating. Have you, have you had to do anything? Did your sleep get disrupted at any point? Uh, Oh, my, yes, my sleep went, like, out the door. Um, and plus, I have two dogs that sleep in the bed, so there's lots of excitement during the night. Um, but I have found I uh, started using the CBD plus, an um, not antigens, that's hello, COVID. Um, adaptogens. Adaptogens. <laughs> I think We're it's the all hello COVID on the brain. <laughs> yeah, the hello blue sleep thing at night, and I that came off the show, and I that's been a game changer. I yeah. because I wake up a million times a night because of my dogs, and I hydrate a lot, but I actually fall back asleep, and so and that's why I like the aura ring to really see how much sleep I'm getting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I pay attention to it, and I take a nap. I love when I take a nap, and my sleep score goes up. Right, you get rewarded. <laughs> yes, yeah. So I think it's just paying attention to all of those, you know, all of those things. And of course, it's the eating and the sleep. And I'm not a big drinker. But you know, when I'm in season and things are big, man, a glass of wine, all you have to do is check out your aura ring. And it is mind blowing. It, well, it does your, your heart rate variability and your yes. Yeah, and your resting heart rate. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Month of December, I was waiting for a warning from, you know, Aura. you're dying. Like, <laughs> are you, I mean, what are you doing? Like, are you okay? Like, yeah. What is happening to you? <laughs> right. Put the wine. Like, I'll away. get back on track quick. Don't worry, Rang. It's fine. I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think you have to pay attention to all those things if you want to continue to train at, you know, a certain level. And how old are you now? 55. And you're, you're fully post-menopause. Yes. Yes. I have been yeah. since I was 51. Which is the so. average age. Yeah. Yep. 51, exactly. 52. If you've been listening to this show for any amount of time, you've heard me and many of my guests talk about how the hormonal changes that come during menopause can lead to insulin resistance and carbohydrate sensitivity. That all means that it's harder to keep your blood sugar at healthy levels. And unchecked blood sugar makes it hard to manage your weight and body composition and can pave the way for diseases like diabetes and heart disease. Plus, optimizing your blood sugar is also important for exercise performance and recovery. The problem is, it's really hard to know what your blood sugar is doing at any given time. Until now. 
With a continuous glucose monitor, or CGM, which is just a quarter-sized device that you wear on your arm, you can see your blood sugar in real time and adjust your exercise, nutrition, and lifestyle to help optimize it. I have been testing CGM technology for the better part of a year, and I have learned a ton about how my pre-race meals impact my performance, how to fuel myself during exercise and recover afterwards, how poor sleep and stress really negatively impact my blood sugar levels, and how sitting down to a relaxed meal, no matter what I'm eating, is so much better for my blood sugar than wolfing down even a healthy meal on the go. I've come to believe that everyone could benefit greatly from having these insights, so I am super excited to announce that NutriSense CGM program has come on as a Hip Play Not Pause sponsor in 2022. With the NutriSense CGM program, you get the sensors and you get professional support to help you dial in the diet, exercise, and behaviors that work particularly for you. Each CGM lasts 14 days and each subscription plan includes one month of free support from a registered dietitian. And I really love that. They were there to answer questions before I even thought to ask them. And if you're already knowledgeable in this space, they can provide more advanced tips and recommendations so you can find what works for you. The CGM program also comes with a super easy to use app, which helps you track your data, understand your glucose trends, log your meals, see your macros breakdown, and much more. The app also gives you an overall score for each of your meals based on your personal body's response. NutriSense also provides a private Facebook group where you can go in and share your experiences and find support from other members. It's all awesome, seriously. And if you're worried about putting on a CGM sensor because it is a little fine needle that goes into your arm, don't. Seriously, the first time I put one on, I braced myself for what I figured would feel like a shot. It was more like someone flicked my arm with their finger. Totally painless. So don't let that get in your way. You can take advantage of all of this. Get these insights right now by going over to NutriSense.io slash HitPlay and use the code HitPlay, all caps, one word, for $30 off any subscription to the CGM program. Again, that's NutriSense.io slash HitPlay. Use the code HitPlay, all caps, one word, and get $30 off any subscription to the CGM program. I'll put all of that in the show notes. Check it out today. Let's talk protein. As you've heard a million times on this show, women in the menopause transition need more of it. As estrogen declines, it's harder for us to make muscle and we need to take in more protein to get the job done. If you're training hard, you need even more, a lot more. Two grams per kilogram per day, which for me is about 120 grams. Some days it's a challenge to get through meals alone, so it's nice to have powders on hand when you need them. And if you're looking for one that is low in sugar, high in branch chain amino acids like leucine, which is especially good for muscle protein synthesis or making muscle, and is easy on your belly, our sponsor Prevenex has a good one, Norify Plus. Norify Plus is a vegan protein powder, which I know a lot of our listeners are keen to find, and is also super rich in all of your branch chain amino acids and contains probiotics and digestive enzymes so it's easy to digest and doesn't cause the gassy feeling that you get with many other protein powders. 
which is something that I know a lot of women are interested in as well. Nerfi has more than 130 positive reviews, including one from Hit Play Not Pause listener Donna, who gave it five stars saying, I just made my second shake with the chocolate vegan protein supplement. It is delicious. I love that it has vitamins and branched chain amino acids. I think this will become my go-to protein powder. Thanks, Donna. So listeners of the show can get 15% off their first time purchase by using the code HITPLAY at checkout. Again, go to Prevenix.com, use the code HITPLAY at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. If you don't like it, the company offers a 100% money back guarantee on all of the products within 30 days, no questions asked. So again, use HITPLAY, all one word, all caps at checkout for 15% off your first time purchase at Prevenex, P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com. So, so when we talked offline a little bit, you know, it was interesting. You told me that a number of your contemporaries were exiting the sport because they just weren't feeling it anymore. And they were moving to non-competitive spaces, which is hundred percent cool. You know, I mean, people have their own evolutions, but what was that like for you, someone who's still like, has that fire? Well, you know, on the occasion, I think like, God, what's wrong with me? Why can I not give up this addiction? Um, and every one of them that, you know, I talked to them and like, like, how did you know? I, I sometimes I think like maybe I missed my cue or something that I'm <laughs> supposed to like ride off and get an e-bike or nothing wrong with e-bikes. But, right. um, uh, and the more I really think about it from an athlete and then, you know, the more I coach people is that I think that they couldn't accept the fact that they weren't going to go 10, 20 at Ironman anymore. Right. The, the days of a PR, for the most part, if you've been racing for 15 years, are gone. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's also that you're not the shiny object at a race. And I've heard mm-hmm. this on the podcast before, and I had never put words to it until you realize, like, oh, my gosh, I'm that person with the skin that is not quite fitted anymore. Um, and I think for some people, they're like, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to be old and slow. I've heard that from some of my friends. Totally. And even if they're winning their age group. And so yep. I think that is a big part of it is accepting where we are, um, mm-hmm. and what that looks like. And that doesn't really bother me. I train with a lot of people who are 20 years younger than I am. I spent a lot of time with people who are in different age groups. Mm-hmm. And so, but I also think I've been, I've taken a look at what is changing. The other reason a lot of these people have left is injury. They are so tired of being injured. And I was like, well, cause you're training like you're 35. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, 2,800 isn't going to work for you anymore. <laughs> right. Um, and so it's not understanding that, I don't want to say less is more, but the training has to change. And we don't have to be as fast. I don't. And that, that's a really big, and I'd like to really dig in there a little bit more because we don't talk about that enough on the show, I don't think. I mean, I know it's come up, but there does come that time. I mean, you can still be competitive. It, it may go from open to age group. And if I'm very honest, that was extraordinarily hard for me. Like I, you know, like going from the open category to the age group category was, was not an easy transition for me. Um, you know, and it was, and it, it took a lot of mental work for me to decide 
if I wanted to still be in this and why I wanted to still be in this. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and what that looks like and what I'm still getting out of it. Like what's your, what's your why? Um, and, and yeah, I mean, all that stuff that you're saying is, is something that, you know, men and women have to wrangle with. I think the whole hormonal shift that happens with menopause and some of the things that are forced upon us, it plays, you know, like sort of out of nowhere when the hormones go off the cliff, make it a little more abrupt, you know, for us sometimes, but yeah. Um, you know, how did, how did you, would, would you make it sound like it was a very easy transition for you? Was, was it as easy as it sounding to be like, okay, I'm not going to hit those PRs anymore that those days of whatever your best time of Ironman are done. Like, or like what, what, what was satisfying for you when, when you had that revolution that, okay, I'm not going to like get that time that I used to get. You know, I think it was, I've had the benefit, you know, of working with, you know, uh, coaches who I, I always pay a coach to help me guide me through processes like this. Mm-hmm. And I think it, you know, it was, I've had two different coaches in the last five years, but, it, and it was sort of this idea of you won your age group at a really, really big race. That has to be enough. Right. And one, that doesn't have to be enough. But two, I was upset because my run wasn't where I wanted it to be. And I think that I had the benefit of having a lot of conversations through that. So no, it was not, it was not an easy transition, but it was a, a realization of, of me going back and looking at my age group 10 years ago to see if they were as slow as I am right now. Um, I somehow felt like things had gotten soft and that wasn't okay. Um, and so I would I would go and look at what were the 50 to 55-year-old women doing 10 years ago. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. sure enough, um, you know, th- their times all slowed down for a reason, not because they were slow, but because their bodies had changed. Totally. Our bodies <laughs> changed no matter what. I mean, we right. can optimize them, but like, let's be clear. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was really... Um, understanding like, okay, there's a reason why we have age groups. And there's a reason why 45 to 49 is so different than 50 to 54. It's really interesting for women, I think. I think it might be, and this is just me, like using my own anecdotal experience and also just, you know, what I've gathered over time studying this stuff, but women definitely have always like performed at high levels later, pushing it later into their forties. You know, I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, we have that. And then maybe in our heads, we're like, Oh, it's just going to be this way forever. (laughs) And then, and then when it's not, it's just, it's a ruder awakening. I don't, I don't know. I've always just like thoughts across my mind. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I also recently reached out to some of the people I compete with, you know, and just, you know, the people that are still in it that have raced a long time also, and just, you know, start having those conversations with, people who are in this similar position has really been helpful mm-hmm. um, because it, you know, you do, if I'm fortunate enough to have a good race and perform well, then it's great. But I want to talk to somebody else who maybe, you know, is like, gosh, I feel like my run wasn't good enough. And they're like, oh my gosh, I feel the same way. And it's, it's just, you know, we all have our counterparts and what we do in race and, I think that's what keeps me still going, but I'm not going to lie. There's times that I really do like, wow, God, how did I get, how did I slow down so much? <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. That I mean, I think that is a universal and I, and I, and I think it's important to acknowledge that, that, 
um, you know, even if you're still happy and competitive and all that, you're still going to have those moments where you're just like, wow, you know, like what? Okay. I mean, this is, this is how it is. And I'm going to do the best to optimize me. And there's plenty you can do. And I'm, and I'm all about that. But I also do think that it is important to acknowledge that um, making peace with, with that fact that, that your best times at some point are definitely going to be slower than your best times 10 years ago, sometimes five years ago. Yeah. I mean, I, it's fun. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, that is still like at times like, Oh God, wow. Ouch. But But, do you want to be doing this sport, you know, for the rest of your life? You know, I don't know. I just, I, I'm going to do it as long as I have the fire. For me, when I race, it's like a fire in my belly. I just, Mm -hmm. everything about the race, I, I love, you know, from the start to the finish, even the horrible parts of it. Like I just, I, I, I love it. And I never, I, I mean, okay. In Ironman, I do quit, but you know, in my mind. But I'm never doing this again. And I just, I just think how many times have you said that? (laughs) If I I just get to the end, I never have to do this again. (laughs) Right, exactly. And I, I just think that if I have the will and the want, then I will keep on doing this. Um, You know, I don't know if I'm going to be Sister Madonna, but for my bank account, (laughs) I hope not. Um, (laughs) I'd like to find a sport that maybe isn't so expensive. Um, But um, yeah, I think I will stay in something competitive for a really long time. I think it's, I've been that way since I was three. So, yeah, then it, it, that's, that's a pretty good bet. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit, cause we haven't really talked about your, uh, your coaching business, which how long have you been doing that? So it's been, I started, I, I mean, I got my certification about 10 years ago, really just to learn more about the sport. I was so hungry for information. And then I started coaching sort of just on the side for fun um, and learned that you don't coach your friends for free because it doesn't work for anybody. And so then I, it was, it was what I would call my side hustle for a number of years. And I just did my own thing and I would coach like five to six athletes and I really loved it. And then about, Three or four years ago, I really got a lot more serious about it and started increasing my athletes. I had been coaching with another organization to try to offer more to my athletes. And then I had met two other women who we were having conversations about ups and downs of coaching and COVID hit. Hmm. And our first thought was, well, I guess we'll just see what happens. And about two months later, we decided this is the perfect time to form a coaching business. And my two business partners and I launched our company, Nick's Endurance. And in August of 2020, in the midst of a lockdown, and it was the best thing we ever did because we provided a community for endurance athletes and we created challenges. We did everything from Everestine to 4448. We had bingo. What is a 4448? Oh, you run four hours, four miles every oh, four this. hours I've, for 48 hours. Yes. Yeah. It's a David yes. Goggins thing. Yes. Yes. Um, but we were bringing people together and setting goals. And um, I had another job at the time that just completely tanked because of COVID. I, it was like non-existent. Um, and now I am all in 100%. And we are, we have a growing 
coaching business that is fantastic. Um, and probably 70% of the people I coach are women that are parried to postmenopausal. That's so awesome. So, so tell me first about the name Nyx, because I thought that was pretty cool. So Nyx is the goddess of the night. And so if you read about Nyx, it's N-Y-X. Um, her, her, I, I'm not sure she had a tagline back in the day of goddesses, but her <laughs> hashtag had, she had one is embrace the darkness, which is completely appropriate for anything. I think endurance related. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we wanted to build a company around a name that had meeting meaning and bring an organization that was inclusive of everybody. So we are the, you know, we are out there at, at a, any race that we support, we are out there until, you know, till our last racer comes in. If that's 1645 um, in an Ironman, it is, it's, it's creating a community for everybody. And, um, you know, we have people, we have men, women, we have every, you know, everyone a part of our community, but it's just, it's, we're, we've, I think we brought more to the table than your typical swim, bike, run right. strength training right. plan. So you work, I was going to ask like what the demographics is, and it sounds like it's a lot of perimenopausal and menopausal women. Um, is there any, are there any common threads in them that you find are their most sort of common hurdles, you know, in, in the sport? Oh, I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, I think it's, it's probably the biggest thing is the body composition, even oh. in endurance athletes. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's the body composition and how to deal with those changes and the fatigue. And I think one of the biggest things I've brought to my athletes is, you know, finding the right person, finding the right doctor who can help you with whether you need hormone replacement ther- you know, therapy, um, all of these things that I was blind about and probably a complete ass about um, because I didn't know. And now it's like there, it's, getting, you know, you just got to find the right person to navigate you because every, every body is different and Mm -hmm. there is no right path. And so I think there's a lot of people and it also just understanding, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And now, you know, I understand, you know, what they're going through. Um, No one, no one's journey is the same. Totally. Did you use the HRT route? Did you use hormone therapy? I didn't. Um, because the first, the first doctor I went to, her idea of therapy was testosterone and DHEA. Oh boy. And I was like, <laughs> You're like, I can't do that. She said, you'll feel so much better. I'm like, <laughs> right. No kidding. Do you have any, like, what else do you have? <laughs> I've had that conversation a few times where they, the doctor gives this glowing thing and the woman's like, well, I'm an athlete and that's, they they won't let that, you know, that's not acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. And then I didn't have a path of guidance and I was just like, okay, is this better just to suck it up and grind it out and mm-hmm. be miserable, which, um, you know, it, I wasn't miserable all the time, but I, you know, I think it's, I've learned a lot that it's, you know, it's, it's, there is no judgment and it's, you've got to do what's the right thing for your body um, mm-hmm. and get through it. And it's, I was telling someone the other day, it's like childbirth, you know, have an epidural, don't, I don't really care. Right, right. You do you and do what makes your body feel the best. Um, and I think that's what's really, really important. And I think it's in spreading the message of whenever I hear anybody say, oh yeah, well, I didn't use HRT. I'm like, this is not, this is not a pride thing. Doesn't totally. make you, 
It's like when people say, I didn't eat anything on that six hour bike ride. Like, well, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not better. <laughs> or I gave birth naturally. I'm like, okay, so did I, and I would never do it again. <laughs> um, right. When, when I want to, I want to peel back to the body composition thing that you run into with, with these athletes, how do you help them navigate that? Like, how do you help them come to, I mean, sometimes people can change that to, to, you know, to a certain extent, but sometimes there, you know, there are changes that are intractable. Like, so how do you help them navigate that as a coach? You know, I think one of the biggest things is, is again, not to go back to like the racing, you're, you're not, your body's not going to be what it was when you were 30. Like, it's just not, it doesn't have to be where it is now if you're really unhappy with it. But it part of it, I think, is acceptance of where you are in your life um, mm-hmm. and that, but without being complacent. And so, and, you know, the people that feel like it's slowing them down, they're really having issues. It's not, you know, five to 10 pounds, it's 20 plus pounds to mm-hmm. where it's really effective. Um, you know, a lot of it is just let, 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 let's talk about it front and center, not that you suck or you're lazy or something's wrong with you that yes, literally it did happen, you know, almost overnight. Um, and you didn't change anything. So let's, I do a lot of like, let's just acknowledge that. And yes, Mm -hmm. you are right. Um, and then it really depends on where they are. And if they're really like, I need to do something about it. It just, you know, I'm never going to, you know, let's not count calories. Um, but let's look, you know, let's get, get into the strength, get into the weight room. You know, that 45 minute zone three run is not going to take the calories off. Um, yeah, you know, the zone two run, but the, you know, it's really trying to, you know, look, it's working on the power part of that equation too, at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Working on the power and the, you know, the hit workouts, the, I mean, God, get a jump rope, get a freaking jump rope. Um, you know, just and starting to build those sorts of things and trying to work on overall, how does your body feel versus how does your body look? Because I think often when we focus on how does your body feel, it starts to look a little bit more the way you want it to. A hundred percent. I, I've had that thought a lot lately because, um, you know, when I look, I have had many different race weights over the years, depending on what I'm doing. And like some of them were at my highest weights, like my best performances, you know, and I look Mm -hmm. back and I'm like, I was not like, that was like one of my highest weights. And it was one of the best years I've had. Like, so those two things are not like focusing in on how you feel is so, so important. And I get a little, I get a lot, if I'm honest, irritated with this whole idea. You know, we tell women to lift and don't worry, you won't get bulky. And I hate that word. But, you know, my butt is definitely like my engine is bigger (laughs) when I lift like it is, but I'm more powerful. So like I'm okay with my engine being bigger and my, you know, need to maybe buy another pair of pants, you know, that, that fits my my engine better. And like, that's, that's okay. You know, that's okay. Right. Cause I feel really good. And that's, yeah. what say, that's what really matters. Yeah. And I think it, you know, I try to find, you know, the, the leaders in our sport who are clearly so incredibly strong because, you know, I think so many women look at a group of eight women and you find like the thinnest, leanest person 
and you're, you know, that's all you see. You don't see the other seven people who might actually be at a normal weight or totally. even like, you know, what, what, what a triathlete might call bulky. So, yep. you know, I love to see the strength in women in our sport um, and mm-hmm. men, you know, it's, it really to see that this is what translates even over an Ironman. Totally. Totally. No, d- absolutely. Is there anything about your journey through all of this, through perimenopause and menopause that you think has made you a better athlete? Um, you know, I think I honestly, I mean, I think that the the fully embracing, not pretending to embrace the strength piece of it has made me a better athlete and a more resilient athlete, which makes you a more, a better Mm -hmm. athlete. Mm -hmm. You know, when, whenever you look at an injury, it's, it's not, you know, people that are injured every eight to 12 months. Yes, they have to build back from injury. Whereas if you would dial it back, do the strength when it's the most important and be consistent. Consistency is your friend, mm-hmm. is 100% your friend. And I think it's part of that is maturity is finally, I don't know how many times, you know, you have to literally break or tear something to realize that maybe if I had backed off, not done that last two or three, I wouldn't have had to take four weeks off. Um, yep. And that's some people never learn it. I mean, I, I, I work with athletes and they just never <laughs> learn it. But I think that has been a game changer for me. Um, and so that's the knowledge, you know, and all this knowledge applies. It's, you know, women go through menopause, but, you know, men's bodies change, too. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to kind of, you know, they're later than we are, but they have to make changes, too. Totally. And it can be a bit more of a gradual process, depending on because testosterone is a little bit more of a giant, a gentle, right. you know, decline as opposed to what can be a cliff for some women and menopause, but a hundred percent their bodies sure. change too. And they have to adapt to that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I think it's just understanding and being a little bit more patient and really realizing what a big deal this was. Like, I don't remember my mother going through menopause, like, did she? Um, obviously she did. She's 89. So <laughs> yes, I'm going to say no tampons did. at her house. So, um, <laughs> but I asked her about it and she's like, I don't know. Like, she, like, <laughs> like she, like one day she didn't have a period anymore and that was menopause. Um, so it wasn't an understood topic for sure. Yeah. And I, it's different. And that's the, frankly, the reason I started this podcast is because I think when you live through your body so much as athletes do, you have a different relationship with menopause because it's impacting you in in different ways. You know, I, my mother went through it and, and all I knew of it was hot flashes because she had hot flashes and she would have to run to the bathroom because when she had to pee, she really had to pee. (laughs) And those were the, (laughs) the only things that I actually remember, but like, she didn't have the same, she's very sedentary. Right. And she's like, she's always like she, her, she's a very different human being than I am. So like my experience with it through my lens and what I was trying to accomplish as a woman was just radically different. And, you know, having worked in this industry for so long where I was writing to people like my mother or just people who, you know, you have to sort of coax to exercise, their needs are just very different. And their their understanding of the whole transition is very different, you know, than than ours are because- 
we're trying to accomplish different things and we, you know, we have a different relationship with our bodies. So, you know, it's, 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 this is a, I think these are really important conversations to have. And I'm really glad how much you've brought up sort of just like making this piece with where you are, because there's, I think athletes in general can sort of get stuck looking in the rearview mirror, get entrenched yeah. in, you know, where they were. And it's, I'm like, I'm all about like living forward. You know I mean? You can still have really great races. You can still have really great yeah. experiences. And that's, I mean, it's the community that, and that's, you know, that's the other thing I, you know, love about triathlon is the community. You know, I go to a race and it's a, it's a reunion from, right. I've met so many people across the country and you only get to see those people at races and you, it's just, there's something magical about that. And the thing is, is that, you know, we're, that we all share, whether you're 25 or 55 or 65, that post-race celebration is the same regardless of whether, and it's it, it also regardless of what your day was like. And that's, that's what drives, I love about the sport, you know, whether you had the best day or the worst day and you went 10 hours or you went 16 hours, everyone did the same thing that day and comes together in a, in a special way. And uh, it's the same thing after, you know, any big race, I think, you know, half totally. Ironman, a gravel race, it's that. All, all of it is the best you part. You all want to be yeah. in it. And if you're the one that didn't race, you just like, oh, my God, it's like being the sober one at a party, you know, like just listening to everybody go on and on and on. But on that's, and on that's, and on. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's why we do this. That, you know, it's fun to share. And, it, and, and that's, that's something that I don't want to give up. Um, it's it's a really it's a really special thing to be a part of that with so many different people at different ages sizes backgrounds everybody has one common theme that day yeah um and that's the magical thing about sport i think that's awesome is there anything that you wanted to like convey to the audience that we haven't talked about yet no i i mean i think it, it this comes out it's just the resounding message that you know you're not alone and uh, if you feel alone god reach out to this community or <laughs> anyone that looks like you i'm guaranteeing they're willing to talk to you um and also i think you know some of the people who if you are an athlete and your peer group is not find other athletes because i hear a lot of you know people whose families and friends say to them you know you just need to slow down you just need to this you just need to back off and i was like no, you're just talking to the wrong people because you look at all these other women in this sport um, and, you know, in whatever your sport of choice is, and they're still going strong. And the, the older age groups are not dwindling down at the rate they used to. Totally, which is awesome to see. Yeah, and there, or find another sport, you know. It's, you know, make, you know, try gravel riding, try rock climbing, try something, you know, there's nothing, I think you can be, if your body isn't able to do maybe what it did, or you're not okay with it. If you're not okay with, you know, I don't ever want to do a swim meet again, because I'd be horrified at my times. Right. So find a different sport. I think a lot of people find, you know, new sports when they're in their 50s, because there's nothing to compare to. And that's a beautiful thing. And you have nowhere to go but up. You have nowhere right. to go but up. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know if I took up golf, I would ever get any better, but I, oh, I could, yeah. <laughs> I'm so terrible, but I, I, I might get, if I, maybe if yeah. I practice putting, but no, I mean, when you, when you first start something, it's true. You have a, there's something wonderful about that because you're just learning and making progress. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's just, that is, I think people feel alone and that God, there's so many of us out here. hundred percent. 
Well, that's our show. Join me next week when I sit down with running coach, personal trainer, and ultra runner, Athena Furias. Athena has a story steeped in trauma and triumph and how menopause has made her revisit how both of those play a role in her life now. You won't want to miss this one. And until then, as always, stay feisty. You've been listening to Hit Play, Not Pause, a feisty menopause podcast for active performance-minded women. I'm your host, Celine Yeager. The show is edited and produced by the strong, talented, and amazing women at Live Feisty Media. Follow us on social media at Feisty Menopause, and please help us spread the word. Screenshot and share this episode on your social media channels with the tag at Feisty Menopause. Share the show with your friends, and please subscribe, like, review, and rate this show wherever you get your podcasts. Word of mouth and good reviews make it easier for other listeners to find. Thanks for listening, and as always, stay feisty. Stay feisty.